everyone. Greetings from Costa Rica. So great to be able to uh, connect with you guys, at least virtually. I know that it's uh, some of this, it's part of a bummer because uh, we were actually supposed to be in person with you guys this year. We're going to be in California and be able to be with you guys. But um, because of what's happening in, in the world, there is no other way. So I'm just, uh, I'm still glad that we're able to connect with you and be able to uh, share a little bit about what God is doing with us and God, what God has done through this time. And also just to, also to bring a word of encouragement and also hoping that this also be a word of challenging as well uh, during these times as well. So as uh, we were sharing in the, in the video and uh, Kyle was uh, saying and narrating about this, it's something that when right when the pandemic started because of our beaches mostly depend on tourism actually the main income for costa rica is tourism uh since the moment that everything closed up the lockdowns started uh tourism went down and so a lot of people became unemployed so it was it was so overwhelming all of a sudden we have all these people around us that were in need a lot of people that used to have a good job all of a sudden are out of a job and not just that, but now they are home and they don't know what to do. So many times, you know, they were there, a family, a big family, and they were in there. And, you know, when you get inside of a smaller house with a few kids, uh, that could, the environment tends to be a little, a little tedious. So we started thinking about how can we be a blessing to people? How can we do, be the hands and feet of Jesus of this? Um, the, during this time, and we talk, we talk about being, we help establish a food bank that will be aiding people with food. But more than anything, it was like, we didn't know how long this is going to take. Still, we don't know how long this is going to last. But something that we knew that was, uh, that we needed to do is some, to create something that was going to be able to be sustainable, to give people something to do as well during the time of they were in quarantine and in lockdown. And also to keep family entertained, but also to give them food. Something that they were able to uh, provide for themselves as well and care for this. So that's when we started this chicken project or the Pojito project. And that has been a huge blessing to be able to, to do that. So uh, because of that, I wanted to share a little bit about what um, something that has been uh, encouraging to us during this time. And it's about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And uh, there is a passage there in John chapter 6. And uh, while you look in your Bibles, you guys can find your Bibles as well. And um, John chapter 6 about talking about Jesus feeding the 5,000. But before that, I was just going to, while you're looking for it in your Bibles, um, just uh, something that has been really hard about this pandemic is about not being able to touch people. I don't know if you guys have the same problem, you know, I mean... Uh, we are a hugging culture, so the struggle has been real. And uh, and I remember, you know, my wife is from California, and, you know, the U.S. is more of a, uh individualistic culture, so they're not very hugging. I mean, most of you probably like to hug, but most of you are not very hugging. It's like, kind of stay away from me a little bit. But I remember when I was in California living there, coming from a culture that hugs everybody, uh, I remember my wife actually having to tell me, hey, Dennis, uh, you have to kind of remember that some of these people probably don't want you to hug them. 
So I just uh, been thinking about that. I was like, man, you know, this because of the of the pandemic and the people being freaked out. I don't even know how to react when people when I see somebody. I'm like, am I supposed to say hi, high five, fist pump? What do we do now? But I just wanted to let you guys know that we miss you and we love you and we really hope to see you. Hopefully next year we get to see you. And hey, um, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to hug some of you. Hopefully this is all over. And hopefully you're not freaked out of us, but we'll probably get to hug you. So just to give you a heads up on that. So John chapter 6, there is a story there about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And uh, this, uh, to be able to give a little bit of background on this, this is actually after Jesus has been um, doing some miracles and all this. And there is a lot of people that are kind of surrounding him. And he always kind of, every time after a big day, he tried to get away a little bit and tried to be away to be by himself. And this situation, he tried to do that. And he goes by the side of the, uh, by the side of the lake and he is there, but a lot of people show up. I mean, he was one of those persons who had many followers and not just on Instagram. I mean, real followers. People wanted to be with him. He wanted, they wanted to be close to Jesus. So to get a, a, a long time for him was actually, um, you know, a luxury. So he tried to do that intentionally many times. And this is a situation when he actually, people come and, they, and there is so many people there that are there to see him. And, and so in, in John chapter 6, he says, And sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs that he had performed on the, on the sick. And then Jesus went up to a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover was about was was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages will not buy enough bread for each one of to have a bite. And another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's, bro Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley gloves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, had the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in the place. And the man sat down, and about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loves and gave thanks and distributed, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves and left over by those who have fallen, who have eaten. After the people saw the miraculous signs that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So let me just pray for us really quick and that may God gives us um, some insight from this word. 
Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity of technology to be able to meet with my brothers and my sisters. Lord, thank you so much because you are God and you are in control. So we ask that you will help us, that you will uh, give us um, the ears to hear what you have for us, Lord. And in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of everything, the uncertainty that is going on, thank you because we know that we can trust you. You are faithful, Lord, and you are God. So, Lord, thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. So, something about that this uh, text refreshes or brings up to us and reminds us of this is, first, is that Jesus, that God is in control. God is in control in the sense of, like, I like how in the beginning Jesus uh, asked Philip, he saw the, the multitude. I mean, there was probably so many people, let's say the 5,000 men without counting women and children, 5,000 men laying out, and Jesus looked at that crowd and said, Oh, Philip, man, how are we going to buy food for all these people? And Philip looked at Jesus and said, Are you kidding me? Are you for reals? And, and really what he's saying, you know, he just did it because he was testing him, because he already had in mind what he was going to do. And so in the midst of that, like something that seemed overwhelming to the disciples, like, hey, it's getting dark and these people are going to need food. Let's send them out. They need to go out and get something to eat. Jesus said, oh, no, no problem. We'll feed them. We'll take care of them. And so that is remarkable to me because he reminds us that on the uncertainty and something that can be overwhelming to us, God still remains in control. I know that many of us had plans for you this year. So many plans, you know, and all of a sudden everything went up upside down. And the whole COVID-19 uh, coronavirus thing, pandemic came about and kind of messed everything up. And so many people, actually, their faith had stumbled. And so many these days, their faith is probably weakened because uh, they really don't know what to do. And so probably many people doubted of themselves as well, doubted of God. So with that... It's kind of a good thing to remember that even though we don't know what to do, God still remains in control. And another thing that we learned through this time, it's about that as everything is scarce, you know, obviously we know that so many people lost their jobs, so many things happen, you know, all of a sudden there's no money, and things are, you know, are hard. Life is hard right now for so many people. Something that we have learned or seen through this is we are reminded that the, that the resources are in the harvest. The resources are in the harvest. And, uh, and this reminds us, you know, it's interesting. Where did Jesus got the food to feed these people? He didn't buy them. He didn't send anybody outside to buy them. He got them from somebody that was there. And somebody that was really unlikely. A little kid that was there that had five barley breads and two fish. So right on the harvest, right with the very need is, somehow God will bring the resources. And I think in the midst of this pandemic, reminds, it reminds us that the greatest inventions that have come in the time of our, in our life is on the greatest need. Because why? Because we, need, we have to be more creative. We have to remember that we need to, we cannot depend on outside support or any outside, 
you know, assistance. All of a sudden, we need to get creative understanding what do I do with what I have now? So people have been really creative with that, and it's really, it's been phenomenal. Even with the chicken project, when we started this project, we only had 60 chickens to start with. That was it. And since we started, you know, more people even from the same field are, are providing and saying, some of them are saying, uh, because we've been now four months into this project, so some people have said, you know, with the chickens you gave us, uh, we raised the 10 of them, we sold two and bought 10 more. So, and now we actually share with our neighbors and, and it's just phenomenal to watch that. So we're seeing that the resources are in the harvest and we are remembered and we are reminded of that as well. Another thing that we also seeing is, uh, is that even in the midst of this, we could probably say, man, we're kind of experiencing persecution because we cannot gather as a church. We cannot be in our buildings and all that. And that's a really hard thing. And I think this has reminded us as well that during the comfortable times is really when the church has done the worst. I think in history, when we look at history, at the moment of the early church when Stephen got stoned and he was a martyr, persecution broke out. And that it was because of that very thing that the church spread out. And the people who left, the people who were being... Um, the word uh, scattered, they were taking the gospel to different places. And that's how the gospel got out of Jerusalem, because of persecution. So with this, sometimes we can say, hey, you know, sometimes commodity and being comfortable is probably the worst stumble to the gospel. Sometimes our nice big buildings and our great sound systems are the very, very stumble or like the very chain and ball that have us so that we can not move the gospel forward. So sometimes we need this to remember the essential thing of the gospel, and that is people. So we had seen an amazing thing that uh, now, even with this chicken project that we're using as an example for this, it's uh, something that we now are reaching over more than a thousand families that we're able to reach in the last four months, to reach out to them, to have a name, to have a face. And, and the crazy thing is, that's even greater than when we used to be able to do it. And because it's all of a sudden is we're bringing a chicken and that is becoming something that people are being familiar. So it reminds us that. And another thing that it reminds us of this is that we need to invest in people and not in things. When we talk about investing in people, we see that Jesus here is saying the problem is we need to feed these people. These people are hungry. And you know, we, we see him that he goes to the very essence to say, we need to invest in people. And I just kind of, something that because funds and money and resources are limited, we need to be really good stewards of what God has given us. And we are reminded now that this time, it's about investing in people, not in things. And, uh, and that we've seen that now happening, that with the limited resources that we got, we probably have invested more in God's kingdom during this time of pandemic than even before. Because before, we know, we were so caught up on getting things that we thought were nice to have. And we'll go more into that. So that kind of, it reminds me, and it, it, it takes me to something that you probably heard this word before. Essential. What is essential? And really, I mean, that has put it in perspective. We had come, all of a sudden, things changed 
to the point that something we used to put so much value and so much resources and so much energy into something, all of a sudden that is gone. Let's say, you know, our church buildings are nice facilities, you know, and nothing wrong with that. But all of a sudden, hey, we cannot meet. So it reminds us that somehow, perhaps God's kingdom can go forward with that. And I will just say that essential, you know, it's, uh, it's what reminds us even on the early church. How again, persecution breaks out, church scatters, and they're going and they're meeting in people's houses. Wherever they could gather, they meet there. And so, and the church is spread like wildfire. The gospel is spread like wildfire. People were coming to Jesus so much that Constantine, you know, the Roman emperor, couldn't stop it anymore. The very religion that he was trying to kill, it was spreading so much because it was organic. It was something that was taking place. People were committed to it. People were committed and people were um, going forward. they taken it to their heart and there's something that they believe and something that they were willing to die for. And that is kind of reminds us of this. Are we willing to die for this? Or we just like it because we're comfortable on Sunday. So with that, I think even that Constantine, the very church, the very faith that he was trying to squish down, he realized around in the year 300 that he says, you know what, forget it, we can't kill him. So he does something really amazing. And what he does, he does a political move. You know, political, anything, you know, now everybody's like so crazy about this stuff. But hey, Constantine does a political move. And what he does is he gets the church, the Christian church, and he makes it the official religion of the empire, of the Roman Empire. And so he gets the church from the houses and from the places they were hiding and meeting and puts them on these really nice cathedrals. And all of a sudden, the beautiful thriving church that was going forward and making change, all of a sudden, starts dying. And so, really, the moment that the Roman Empire made the Christianity the official religion of the empire, really, that's the the darkest part of our history. That's when the church all of a sudden, you know, it, it, unfortunately, not very many people can handle power because power absolutely corrupts. And it's just unfortunate that that's happened. So when this, you know, this is happening, we realize like, oh, yeah, we lost a lot of things that we used to do, but hey, we haven't lost Jesus. We haven't lost faith. The gospel is still remained. So we need to be able to be remembered of that. What is essential? And when we talk about essential, even though you've probably heard it so many times, probably disgusted by that word already. But essential is, we got to think of like, especially during the pandemic, for us here in the ministry is, what do we need, absolutely need to do ministry? And the other question is, what would be nice to have to do ministry? Two different things. What do we need? What is critical to the minister, to the ministry right now? What is critical and what will be nice to have? And honestly, there is a lot of the stuff that will be nice to have. It will be really nice. But hey, we can, we can afford it. And God is blessing what we're moving forward and trying to be obedient with the other part, with what is critical. So and the last part, I think, that really comes to that in the sense of this is that at the end, 
after feeding the 5,000, the people saw Jesus say, man, you know, that's amazing. He is definitely the prophet that was supposed to come into the world. The prophet that, that Moses uh, promised. And he said that he, the prophet was going to come. And he says, and they were planning on taking Jesus and making him king by force. And the moment that Jesus says, oh man, this is not, this is not the point. This is not it. He says that he sneaks out and leaves to another solitary spot. So that kind of brings me to something here. And it is that it is better to be known by God than to be praised by the people. It is better to be known by God than to be praised by the people. And um, it's unfortunate because for so, I think this pandemic came about and it put a really good question mark for us, a lot of us as Christians, ministers, churches, they say, where do I get my identity from? Did I get my identity because I could fill up my church and that fed my ego and I felt great about it? You know, and like, or do I know who I am in Jesus? Or even more, when we started doing this online at the beginning, everything was excited. Oh, yes, our church is online. And hey, let me tell you, there are so many people over the churches now that it's like four months into the pandemic, people are not even going to online churches, even that. So all this, it reminds us and it has come to that point. It's like, as a pastor, I could feel like, man, what's going on? I don't have any control over it. It's a bummer because I don't know what's going on. What's happening with the people? You know, yeah, I keep track of them. You know, I keep meeting and trying to be in contact. But hey, I miss seeing them in one building. And with that, it really, again, puts a really check, a question check on my heart. And it is saying, it's like, where do you get your identity? And it reminds me again to this. It really brings me a comfort to this. It is better to be known by God than to be known than to be praised by the people. So again, you guys, thank you so much for your patience and watching this. And I really hope that I get to see you guys next year. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.